Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept. Because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain standing in the center of the throne. Did you catch that? Who is worthy to open the scroll? The lion of the tribe of Judah. And when John lifts his head, he sees a half-dead, bloody Lamb. Did you catch that? Listen very closely to me right now. Very closely. What heaven calls the Lion of Judah, you and I see as a half dead, bloody lamb. What heaven calls the Lion of Judah, the Aslan. The one who roars and creation comes into existence, if you've ever read The Magician's Nephew. The one who speaks creation. The Lion of Judah. You and I see as a half-dead, bloody lamb that's still standing and happens to be on the throne. Now, I think the book of Revelation is very weird and complicated. John Calvin, one of the greatest theologians of our time, and I don't know if it's our time or way before our time. He's dead now, is my point. It was said that he wrote a commentary on the entire Bible, which he did, but he didn't write one for Revelation. And many historians agree that that's because he said it's too confusing. I don't understand it. Because there's things like the Lion of Judah, the one who, who, who is the greatest force in all of the universe, the one who we are worshiping and on our knees and falling on our faces before saying, you are holy, you are worthy, you are powerful, you are beyond me. You are beyond my existence, and yet in the moment when our eyes are open to actually see who this lion truly is, we're awakened to the reality that he is not even a full-grown sheep, and he's half dead, looking as if he was slain, but he's still standing. 
Why is this important? Why is it in the book of Revelation? I don't even know what the scrolls mean. Revelation is that confusing. I don't even understand what most of the things are saying, but when I, when I read Revelation 5, that jumps out to me hugely. Why is it important that the Lion of Judah, Aslan himself, to me is seen as a lamb that has been slain, looking as if it had been slain? Why do we need to see God like this, the creator of the universe? And so we start our series, Who is He?, We've done who are you, and we've done who are we. And now we're asking the question, who is God? I want to propose to you this morning that God, in all of his majesty, in all of his power, the creator of the universe, the one who speaks and trees shoot out of the ground like they're rocket ships, The one who speaks and water is separated from the mountains and oceans are created. That God in all of his majesty, power, and splendor, and beauty has embraced your darkness. Amen? Has embraced your death. Has embraced and journeyed into the most hurtful places of your life and has taken a beating on your behalf. And so when we open our eyes, we see the Lion of Judah as a half-dead, bloody lamb. In dealing with this idea of who God is, I want to introduce you to a word that I believe changes everything. And I think I was yelling and I made that baby cry. I apologize. In dealing with this idea of who God is, I want to introduce you to a word that changes everything. Are you ready? Resurrection. Resurrection, the big, beautiful word that the universe hinges on. Resurrection. You see, we're having communion today. This message is what is called table-centric. Everything is driven toward this moment when we take the bread and the grape juice and we remember what Jesus did. And if you have a gluten intolerance, do it on this side. Probably not as tasty, but you won't have a reaction. When Jesus sat with his disciples on the night he was betrayed and said that This bread is my body, and this wine represents my blood. He was saying something a little more profound than remember who I am and and what I did every time you eat and drink this stuff. He was communicating in that moment to a group of confused individuals who had no idea what he was getting at, that he was about to embark on the most significant act the world has ever seen. He was going to the cross. He was going to take your pain. He was going to take your darkness. He was going to take those things so that you could be forgiven and so that you could learn to forgive. But he wasn't going to stay dead. 
resurrection. And when you live in the same reality of Jesus, resurrection, you understand that you are meant to forgive. You're not meant to carry around your pain and your guilt and your shame. When someone hurts you and something has been done to you and you embrace it and you take that thing and you say, I'm not going to return it to the person who gave it to me. I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to send it to the cross and it's going to hurt me. And I'm going to feel that pain. But as I feel that pain, it's going to leave wounds on my wrists and it's going to leave leave painful marks in my feet. And it might even mess with my thoughts for a while and leave some scars up here like a crown of thorns. But at the end of it, I will be stronger. I will come out of that situation a new person. I will be a better person. I will be a stronger person. I will have embraced the reality and the truth of resurrection. Because Jesus is still standing you and I are still standing. I don't remember it, but the Japanese have a word for your purpose in life, what wakes you up in the morning. What wakes me up in the morning, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, what wakes me up in the morning is the knowledge that at some point, In the near future, I will again have the opportunity to communicate the gospel to someone, somewhere. Resurrection. It changes everything. But the reality is, there are people in the world who can't understand that someone would be the Son of God, and much much more than that, if they do understand that Jesus was the Son of God and that he did rise from the dead, we have difficulty understanding that that resurrection can come into the darkest places of our lives and bring life. And so we say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, Jesus, I pray to you. Yes, Jesus, if I read this Bible enough, people will think I'm a good Christian and I might believe that too. But when it comes to that thing that weighs you down, that thing that happened to you, that dark, dark, dark place that even if you had the biggest shovel in the world, you could dig with all your might and you would never get there. We have a hard time believing that the power of resurrection can enter into that space and create life. And so to you and to me, who at times believe that, this is what I want you to know. You have trillions of cells in your body. You had no idea that that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You have trillions of cells in your body. And about 300 million of those cells die every minute. And at the same time, about 300 billion new cells are born in your body. That's close to 208 million every minute. You, 
are not the same person you were when you walked into this building this morning. Your cells have changed, and your cells are really cool. Some of them do weird stuff. They have a relationship to each other. You can take one and put it in Los Angeles and take one, put it in San Francisco and start it spinning this way and this one will start spinning. Then you can reverse it and the other one will do it. They're in relationship and they're doing things and they're experiencing the life that is in your body and 300 million of them die every minute and 208 million of them are born. You're not the same person. You were three minutes ago. Resurrection. Is anybody in here garden? Figured we had some hipsters. <laughs> There's two ladies back there. Yeah, we garden. Tomato plants, radishes, farmer's market, we're there. <laughs> Every spring, your garden experiences is this, this neat little concept of a death of everything in it and then life, resurrection. Look around this world. The clouds come and go and they reappear. It's all around you in nature. And so for those of us who have a difficult time understanding this idea of resurrection coming into our dark places, this is what I want to say to you this morning. Are you listening? God is up to something dynamic and beautiful, and it involves everything, including you. If it can happen in your garden in the spring... And it can happen with the grapes that Jesus chose to represent his blood. And if it can happen with the wheat that he chose to represent his body. And if it can happen in all of nature. And if it can happen in your own skin, which it is. Resurrection is all around you. It's happening all the time in the physical realm in which we live. And if it can happen in your own skin, I'm getting excited. If it can happen in your own skin, people, if it can happen there, in your own cells, it can happen in your life. It can happen in the darkest place that you have chucked away in the corner to that thing that will never be redeemed until the day that you die. It can happen there, it can happen today. It can happen in your relationships. It can happen in your addictions. It can happen in your darkest places. So today is not a day to hang our heads. I don't. I care how you were feeling, but I don't care how you were feeling when you came into this place because the reality is physically and spiritually, you are a different person from when you walked into those doors. You've been experiencing this thing called resurrection. And it can happen. 
And as we dive into this idea of what resurrection is for our lives, what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross when he decided not to stay dead, we got to understand it is not time to hang our heads. I have a son, a nephew, and a niece, all who live in Kalamazoo, seven, seven, and four. And when I bring cookies out to them, and I come into the living room and I say, you guys want some cookies? Maddox jumps up, yeah! And Kyla goes, cookie, 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 cookie! And they run to me. My son Xander doesn't go, well, I'm really excited about this cookie internally. And I want to match my level of excitement with Maddox and Kyla. Kyla's, Kyla's talking about the cookie. She's excited. Maddox is screaming and dancing about the cookie. So I need to somehow find some middle ground so that I don't stand out too much. That's not what happens. Xander runs to me and he about knocks me over. And the cookie's eaten out of my hand before I can even hand it to him. And you, like children of God, understanding and embracing this power of resurrection that Jesus accomplished for us when he came up from the grave. Do not look around and say, let me find some middle ground today in worship. Let me find something that doesn't really set me apart too much. It's happening in your cells. It's happening when you walk outside and it's beginning to happen in some of the darkest places of your life. And so remember this as you come forward to receive communion, coming down the middle and exiting out the sides. Remember this as you walk by the prayer station where people will be ready to dive into some of that and bring the life of Jesus to you in a way that you may have never experienced in your life. Remember that this morning. And, and, then, and then don't worship for your sake. Don't look around and create some type of balanced experience in this room. Find the freedom in your heart to worship the God who introduced us to this big, beautiful word. Resurrection. Can you guys do that? I can do that because resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. I don't care if you're in the worst possible situation you have ever been in your entire life and you feel like the scum of the earth, I have one word for you. Resurrection. So Lord, meet us today as we come to receive your elements. Meet us today as we engage you in worship. Meet us in the same way you've been meeting our skin and our hearts and our organs and our minds. Meet us in the same way that you have people throughout history when you dive into their darkness and their slavery and their addictions and you bring freedom. Meet us in that way that we can only describe as resurrection. And we ask you to do that now. We ask you to do that this morning and we surrender to your love for us.
In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.